1: Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead
0: by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. We have been exploring this amazing epistle of 2 Corinthians and this is the final lesson. It's called Summary and Review. Stay tuned. Our series is entitled... Heartfelt and inspired. Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse by verse commentary, which is part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. 2 Corinthians, it is Paul's epistle of vindication, of comfort, of reconciliation, of finding sufficiency in God, and that God's grace is sufficient for us in all things we face in life. In this particular lesson, the final one of this series of 2 Corinthians, Heartfelt and Inspired. We're going to do a summary review of the book, basically recapping what has been learned. So, perhaps if you've not even heard the series, stay tuned so you get 2 Corinthians in a cameo form. Heartfelt and Inspired. What have we learned in this epistle? First of all, we've learned that there is suffering in life, but that suffering is more than compensated by God's presence and comfort. He is called the God of all comfort. We have in this epistle a contrast between the Old and the New Covenant. And it's really a striking contrast. But let's never forget, the Old Covenant is from God. It is holy, it is spiritual, and on all the rest. But of course, it's not complete without the New Covenant. The new covenant not just completes the old covenant, rounds it up, perfects it, fulfills it, and brings us into a whole new dimension of grace, of faith, of glory. Not of law, not of judgment, not of condemnation. We learn about the judgment seat of Christ and that this is a judgment for believers. Not whether we are saved or unsaved, but to weigh the works we have done in this life whether they be good or bad the works that are of wood hay and stubble in other words the futile carnal works they are burnt up in the fire the works of silver and gold and precious jewels those works abide forever they are part of the crown that we wear or certainly part of god's crown then of course, is the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have been called not only to reconcile people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to reconcile people one with another. That really is being an ambassador for Christ. Then there's the blessing of giving. And there's two chapters in 2 Corinthians on this very subject, chapters 8 and 9. Friends, giving is not as one person aptly put it, a debt that you owe. It is a seed that you sow. It is basically setting yourself up for blessing as you are blessing the work of God. Then there is the strategies of the devil. And we learn to be very discerning about his evil devices. After all, everything we face in this world, the root causes of it are both sin and spiritual the real enemies of us are not people on some opposing side humanly they are spiritual forces in high places we need to be aware of this and we need to be well armed and we are god gives us everything we need to resist the devil that he may flee from us and then we learn about paul's thorn in the flesh and he discovers that even though the thorn in the flesh wasn't immediately removed that God's grace was sufficient for him, and that God's power was made perfect in weakness. In addition, this epistle of 2 Corinthians is highly autobiographical. Paul shares the price that he paid to be Christ's apostle. And of course, because of that, we've all been the beneficiaries. His suffering, redemptively, is what not only established the early church— but spawned the epistles that became part of the New Testament that keep blessing and blessing to this very day, 2,000 years after the birth of the church. I would like to read to you the three sections of key verses for Second Corinthians, because key verses actually help summarize the whole book, or at least what the epistle was about. First section is Second Corinthians 3, verses 2 Corinthians 3, 4-6. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life So our sufficiency comes from God. not only does he take care of all the deficiencies in our life, God makes us able ministers of the New Testament, the New Covenant, not of black letter on white paper but of the Holy Spirit because the letter kills what it means here is when you read the law it condemns you because the law standards are so so high and our conduct and our hearts are so low. So the letter kills, however, The Holy Spirit gives life. Not only did the Spirit of God breathe the breath of life on Adam and he became a living soul, but the Spirit of God breathes upon us now and we become born again of the Spirit. And when we're born again, we have life. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 5 to 6, it reads, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So basically, we're not here for ourselves. We don't minister to make ourselves look good, to get praise from people, to get a pat on the back, and to be, shall we say, celebrated. No, our sermon isn't about ourselves. Our sermon is about Christ, and that we are his servants, for your sake. And so God is shining his light in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So friends, God is light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. When you follow him, you are the light of the world too, as well as the salt of the earth. The third section of key verses is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17-19. Again, that's chapter 5, 17-19 beautiful passage. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a powerful, wonderful thing. Sometimes it's reduced in terms of not just admitting guilt, but living with a guilt complex and basically just coughing it up in compensation to the aggrieved party sometimes reconciliation can be very shallow like you Mm. basically agree not to be at war with each other but you don't become friends either when we talk about biblical reconciliation it goes much further and much deeper than anything this world can offer because it comes from god and the things of god are deeper higher wider sounder, and more enduring than anything we can do humanly. When God talks about reconciling, he doesn't just take two enemies and make peace with them. He actually brings them together as one. We, scripturally speaking, are sinners, but we are loved of God and candidates for his grace through the free gift of the gospel of Jesus, remembering that Jesus took our sins nailed them to his cross and that when he rose again from the dead he did so for our justification when we believe this and receive him as savior and lord we are reconciled to a holy god so we go from a state of enmity towards god to a state of peace and reconciliation but it goes even further not only do we have peace with god god adopts us and we become part of his household his family So, isn't that amazing? You go from being enemies to being part of the same family. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Because we have been reconciled to God, we become his representatives, his ambassadors, and we are now free to reconcile others to God as well as to each other. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. Now, let us look at the doctrinal distinctives of second corinthians first of all we have contrasted in chapter four the old and the new covenants one is the ministration of death and condemnation the other is the ministration of life and reconciliation it almost sounds like paul is very negative about the old covenant I don't really see him that way at all. I think he's just being very honest and very practical. I don't believe he shows disrespect for the very word of God, the old covenant, the old testament, that he revered all his life. And I don't think he ever stopped revering. But he is simply saying that you need the new covenant to complete the old, to fulfill the old. Isn't that what Jesus said? I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill. That's what Jesus does. That's what the New Covenant does. And then in chapter 4, verses 8 to 18, very important, there's a theology of suffering. Of course, suffering is not a popular topic, especially in modern churches where we want to hear messages that make us feel better, not necessarily make us worry and feel worse. But let's face it. We're first of all in a fallen world, and suffering happens to everybody, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you don't teach a theology of suffering, then when suffering actually happens, you'll be caught off guard and there is the danger that you get so disillusioned that you could even fall away. God forbid. We've seen this again and again. And can I just say that, first of all, we must face life with healthy realism, not with fantasy. This is a rough world. It's not getting any better. In fact, the scripture says as we get to the end, it'll get worse. But there is a way forward, and yes, there is a way of escape as well. And God gives all this early warning in his word. The theology of suffering is very, very important, because when we see these strange things happen, we're not caught off guard, we don't lose heart. And you know what's amazing? Please bear in mind that anything you go through as a believer committed to God, you go through that thing, with God, not all by yourself. And that because you're doing this with God and for God, you will come forth as gold. There is a redemptive side to suffering because it burns up all the dross and the rubbish in our life. If we've been flirting with temptation or on the edges of the world, uh, suffering gets us on track. It says in Psalm 119, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, in light of my affliction, my suffering, I keep your word. Suffering helps prioritize life. You know, we are so busy for nothing, aren't we? We get involved in so many things that are actually vain and fruitless. But in suffering, you prioritize. You decide what really matters. And of course, I'll tell you what really matters. God really matters. Your family matters. And then, of course, your ministry. And we all have ministry if we're born again of God. We've all been called to serve God in one way or another. So priorities are made right. And you know, you can still have peace in suffering. You can still have joy in suffering. You can still have love. God will do miracles for you in the midst of suffering so that you will actually come out of it unscathed. And that because you've gone through the fire now, you will never go through the fire again. There is the Other things in life that we learn distinctive, the resurrection of the Christians and the judgment seat of Christ, the ministry of reconciliation, we've learned that, of course, in chapter 5 of Second Corinthians, the necessity of separation from the world in chapter 6, verse 14 and onward. We do learn about Christian giving in chapters 8 and 9, and of course, of Satan's strategies are outlined in chapter 2, 4, 11. 12. I mean, he's there throughout it all, but he's defeated throughout it all too. And then in chapter 13, we learn about God's sufficient grace. So in summary, what is 2 Corinthians about? Paul talks about his travel plans. I'm basically giving the outline. He gives his theology of ministry, of changed lives, the new covenant, Christ the centerpiece of it all, trials in ministry, motivated by the future glory of god we have exhortations of reconciliation to god and separation from the world we learn about christian giving how the macedonians were very generous hence the macedonian churches will be very very blessed and god will supply all their need there's an exhortation to the corinthians as to have christ as the example the purpose of giving delegation and exhortation to give and then in the final part the last four chapters chapters 10 to 13 of second corinthians paul vindicates his ministry he refutes his opponents he talks and proves his apostleship as if he needed any proof i think it's pretty obvious but you know when you're blind you're blind you cannot see so paul has to tell these blind opponents what they were missing paul speaks of his coming visit And then, of course, we have the conclusion and the warm-hearted benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus is full of grace and truth. The love of God. And we must learn this, friends. God's love is the greatest force in the universe. And God doesn't just love. God is love. And the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the koinonia, the deep sharing and caring with the Holy Spirit and therefore with each other, that all these three things, the grace, the love, and the communion of the triune God, be with you all. Amen. And so this concludes our teaching series called Heartfelt. And inspired. Understanding 2nd Corinthians. Thank you for joining with me, and we're going to have a few standalone programs. And then our next series, starting soon, will be on the coming of the Lord, first and second Thessalonians. I'll say it again. Our next series will be the coming of the Lord, first and second Thessalonians. So remember, friends, to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And Thank you for liking our page. Also sign up for the Issachar Teaching e-letter. It's free, it's monthly, and you will get it through our homepage, put in your email with articles on the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's have a closing prayer for 2 Corinthians. Father, thank you for both epistles, and thank you for the grace of the love, and the communion found in the very last verse. May this be experienced by my listeners and, of course, by myself and my family and the ministry. Thank you that there's plenty of it around, and as we receive it, we will more than be willing to spread it abroad by the overflow. In Jesus' name, amen.